ESPN is dead set on making sure its audience feeds into the racism and sports narrative by dropping a new series with the biggest race-baiting host they could possibly find. Plus, is there really a discussion now to gender weights? Ah, there sure is. I get into all of it and so much more today on Outkick the Morning. Hello, good morning, everybody. Welcome on into Outkick the Morning. I am your host, Charlie Arnold. Now, when it comes to race baiting in sports, no one does it better than ESPN. It's one of the reasons I was frustrated while working there. And now the Disney-owned company is out to prove just how overwhelming racism really is in the world of sports. Later this month, ESPN Plus will debut a new series on their streaming platform called Skin in the Game with Dr. Ibram X. Kendi. Now, if you aren't familiar with Kendi, he is a so-called anti-racist. He's a writer who makes a living trying to prove just how racist everybody else is. One of his books defines racism as referring to policies and ideas that create or permit any differences in outcomes in racial groups, to which I think it's clear racism goes both ways these days. But that's not a double narrative you will find in this series. Instead, the first episode will focus on black athletes who use public platforms to protest injustices and what it costs to speak up. And in the second, why black female athletes are considered polarizing when they prioritize their mental health, just as a few examples. Now, I appreciate highlighting athletes who have done incredible things in the world of sports, whether they are black, white, Asian, Latin, or otherwise. But using Ibram X. Kendi to lead this series just feels like a setup. Is he going to mention that in these episodes there was an occurrence in 2016 where Colin Kaepernick wore socks to a 49ers practice that showed cartoon policemen done up as pigs? Now, this even being prior to Kaepernick's sit-down of the national anthem during San Francisco's August preseason game. Or will they mention how in 2022, former ESPN anchor and sports analyst Jamel Hill famously called Trump a white supremacist and his voters all racist? Until the documentary airs, we can only ask one question. Will it be fair and balanced? Seems highly unlikely. Now, considering the host handpicked by ESPN, he has incited his own racist remarks against people that don't look like him in the past, so I don't see how any way, in any shape, any form, this is an unbiased series. Now, speaking of the past, once upon a time, guys, I also worked for the Fox station in Indianapolis, and I covered the Colts. One of the guys I covered in that locker room, former NFL safety Sergio Brown, who went on to play for six years in the league. When I met him, he was talented, he was smart, and an all-around very, very pleasant guy. So I was startled to come across headlines two days ago that his mother had been murdered and that he was nowhere to be found. Then yesterday, the story got even weirder. From an Instagram burner account, which seems to belong to Brown, a video was posted of Brown making some very, very bizarre claims. Check it out. I got it. Dory, it's, it's P. Sherman. There's something 42. going on with the Why stream. Why did It's going oh to. Oh my gosh. I can't. Just keep swimming. Just keep swimming. What the f Missing? They ain't never seen finding Nemo. What the f is going on? This is traumatic. Lucky I know how to say a joke. You. What the f Just keep swimming. Then taken down and reposted without a location. You can hear him say he thought his mom was on vacation and the FBI and Maywood Police Department in Illinois had kidnapped him. This is a part of the video that you didn't see, but he goes on to make very, very weird claims. He also talks about fake news. I mean, it's clear 
Sergio Brown has lost it. In making it even worse for Sergio, one of his mom's neighbors told a local news station that police told him that they saw Brown through the door's ring camera and light a bonfire to burn his mother's clothes. I personally have no idea why police would release this information to a neighbor, but at this point, with so many weird facts flying around, it's really tough to know who to believe, but definitely everything considered to be strange. Despite all of this, Sergio Brown has not been yet, has not yet been named a suspect in his mother's death, which was officially ruled a homicide. Now, on the subject of unhinged, which I'll say really sucks because I actually really, really liked Mark Cuban back in the day. I am a huge Shark Tank fan, and he went to my dad's alma mater of Indiana University, but Mark Cuban, he just keeps showing the world how big of a tool he is. And yes, there are receipts. Newly released Instagram DMs from 2021 show that Cuban showed prejudice against a journalist named Layla Halperns. She was unvaccinated, and after she requested an interview with him, he told her that he does not support anyone who was unvaccinated. Her screenshot showed that Cuban said he would only give her an interview if Layla went out, got vaccinated, and then told others to do the same. Layla went on to say the interview was meant to be for virtual purposes and not even in person. But honestly, who really cares what it was supposed to be? I, I'm just curious, does Mark Cuban check if journalists have their flu shot before interviewing him? Or maybe that the Several members in media scrums, which if you've ever been a part of one, sometimes there's up to 10, 15 people at a time. Uh, does he ask them before and after games if they are experiencing any minor cold-like symptoms? I guarantee you he does not do any of this. This is so incredibly ridiculous. Nobody should feel like they can't live a normal life or will miss out on opportunities for making a personal health decision. Layla, my message to you, not that it even matters anymore because there are no more mandates uh, that you have to be vaccinated. But if there were, even so, if you want an interview with me, done. I'm in. And I will not make you give me your vaccination status. So with that, let's bring in a guy who I know will be hot on this subject, none other than the OutKick founder, Clay Travis. The idea of cancel culture just seems to be getting more and more intense. Uh, Innocent until proven guilty is no longer a concept that it seems the world believes in. And now we're especially seeing these things happen uh, when you look at the circumstances surrounding Mel Tucker and Russell Brand. Uh, where do you stand on where we're going as a society and the fact that, for example, Russell Brand, despite having been convicted of absolutely no crime, has already been demonetized on YouTube and the whole body of his work taken off Channel 4's platform in Britain? So my general position on all this is there's a reason why Lady Justice is blind. Um, and, and that reason is because we're supposed to, without uh, favor, based on the uh, whether somebody is uh, gay or straight, male or female, white, black, Asian or Hispanic, we're supposed to judge everybody uh, without their identity coloring what we believe. And in fact, uh, I talked about this yesterday. Uh, we're kind of going back in time to, uh, for anybody who read the book To Kill a Mockingbird, the, the entire concept of that book was the white woman is to be believed because she's a white woman, not the black man because he's a black man. And uh, mm -hmm. to me, the entire Me Too era is about setting in place this idea that as soon as a woman makes an allegation, it's to be presumed true immediately. And I, and I just think that's wrong. Men lie, women lie. 
I haven't read uh, all of the details of the Russell Brand allegations. I do know that some of them go back, I believe, to 2003, 2006. I mean, we're talking about a very long time ago. Uh, and on the Mel Tucker case in particular, look, I, I would just ask you this, Charlie. Um, she claims, uh, this, this accuser of Mel Tucker, she claims that over the course of their relationship, um, that there was one uh, phone sex call. It lasted 36 minutes, that, that call. After that, she texted him, Happy Father's Day. They had 27 phone calls lasting 30 minutes or longer. And when she was asked why she just didn't hang up if she didn't want to be involved in a phone sex call, she said she froze. Uh, I talked to my wife about that. She said, I, I don't find that to be a very, uh, very likely perspective. Um, and, and I'm just curious for you, Charlie, like if you were on a jury and you heard that a woman was on a phone sex call for 36 minutes, would you think that that was actually what was taking place? Or would you think something truly ridiculous and absurd uh, is uh, she claims that she froze and she couldn't hang up? Does that make any sense to you? It doesn't make any sense to me, especially because, listen, I think if you are put into if, if it was a one time and a one time only situation, right, where there was one phone call and maybe she found herself in a position where she was like, oh, I, don't, I don't know how to deal with this. But the fact of the matter is this took place on multiple occasions. I, there was like I think what there was 20 something 27, calls. Well, there, was, there was one phone sex incident, but they had 27 phone calls that lasted exactly. 30 minutes or longer, which to me is ind indicative that both of them were interested in each other. Uh, of course. And then and then also there was the extra detail of she went on to wish him a happy Father's Day after this supposed right. phone sex incident took place. Uh, so no, there's, there's no part of this that makes me want to believe this woman. Uh, I think she knew exactly what she was doing. Uh, I just think it's sad that women find a opportune time or maybe they find themselves, you know, maybe able to take advantage of the situation, then then they decide to speak up when in reality, uh, this is very clear it was entirely consensual. Uh, and I, I just find it, like you even mentioned with Russell Brand, the fact that women are coming forward after more than a decade in some of these cases. And it's also very clear the media is launching a very targeted attack on Russell Brand because why all of a sudden, after they were championing him for years and his promiscuous behavior, would suddenly, they'd be like, you know what, this is something we should go back over a decade and try to find all of the women he potentially wronged. Uh, none of it makes sense to me. And I was scrolling on my phone. also a statute of limitations in general, Charlie, because it's so hard to prove guilt or innocence when you're talking about something that happened 15 or 20 years ago. Um, and, and, and so in general, the idea that he would be demonetized immediately based on accusations, I think is just wrong. Um, I, I think it's a yeah. fundamental failure of the of the judicial uh, process that we have created this this entire idea that someone should be, should be believed or disbelieved based on their identity. Again, that is the uh, antithesis of what justice actually uh, should aspire to. Yeah, and, and there was a, a statement put out by YouTube said something around the lines of, 
you know, his his behavior off the platform was deemed to be harmful and therefore we're demonetizing him. So, you know, therefore we're giving YouTube the power to determine how people should be able to act off of their platform. And then they make the decision whether or not they deserve to make their living, uh, you know, doing what they've been doing for however long. It's just and none of it makes sense. YouTube is not the police, uh, yet they are acting like it in this case. But uh, <laughs> moving on. Uh, John Fetterman. I mean, he is just one of the saddest excuses for a politician. I mean, there are many uh, sad excuses for politicians, unfortunately, that we have seen recently. But John Fetterman is just... I mean, when I look at him, I just feel like he smells. Like, I, I can only imagine if I were to lift up that hoodie, like the stench that would come out. Uh, how ridiculous is it that the Senate has made the determination that a dress code is no longer required and a lot of people obviously pointing the finger at the slob, John Fetterman? Yeah, I think it's absurd. And, and by the way, one place where the dress code still remains is for staffers. So everybody who works for senators, which are hundreds of people, are still required to uh, adhere to the existing Senate dress code. And John Fetterman, who is a, uh, I, I think, look, I mean, one of the biggest failures of the democratic process is that whether you like Dr. Oz or not, that this guy Fetterman, who clearly can't do the job and doesn't appear to have that much interest in doing the job. I mean, he's going to wear shorts on the Senate floor. <laughs> I mean, this is, I'm not, I am not, look, I'm doing uh, this show in a t-shirt. Like I do a lot of shows uh, in t-shirts. Uh, but the idea that you would be on the Senate floor without at least a jacket and slacks, you know, look, if they had said, hey, we don't, we're not going to require members to wear ties anymore, I could kind of see, okay, maybe that makes sure. sense. But, you know, at a bare minimum, there are lots of restaurants you can't get in without a jacket and exactly. a button-down shirt. And you can't play on, uh, you know, certain golf courses without dressing better then John Fetterman is going to be dressing on the Senate floor. Uh, I, I just think it's emblematic of, and, and they're doing all this for one guy, uh, one guy who can't do the job, by the way, of the Senate because he hasn't recovered from his stroke. Um, and and I just think it's a, uh, I just think it's a fundamental failure. It's a fundamental failure, and it's also one more reason for the rest of the world to continue laughing at us because there are so many things that are happening in this country uh, that make absolutely no sense. And the fact that you even just called one of the biggest Democratic failures being John Fetterman, absolutely true. Uh, also laughable is the fact that <laughs> Lauren Boebert decided to have a little fun at the uh, off-Broadway performance of Beetlejuice the other day um, with her new boyfriend. Uh, I, I, they apparently already broke up uh, after you I know all of the scandal date, went down. But said, by the way, yeah, yes, yes. Okay, first date. Uh, infrared video uh, was. <laughs> was found uh, that she was being fondled in the theater. She was vaping. Uh, yet it's, it's very interesting because somehow they were able to find out, despite it being a packed theater and very dark, that she was being groped and all of this was happening, yet they still can't figure out in the most secure building in the entire country, the White House, who brought cocaine indoors. Or they some seemingly yeah. don't have any footage outside of Jer... Jer uh, Jeffrey Epstein's cell as to uh, how his death occurred. I mean, this just makes no sense to me, Clay. Um, so, yes, I didn't know that they had this infrared footage where they can go in and, uh, 
it certainly appears that uh, that her date was uh, was enamored of uh, of her outfit. <laughs> and we're watching the footage right now of her walking out. I mean, I think that is a hot dress, um, and uh, and and I think she looks I think she looks good. Um, and uh, look, my thing on this is I am not the morality police. All right, and let me uh, let me give you an example. I think it was Susanna Gibson, I believe, is the name of the uh, of the woman who is running for a Virginia House seat in the uh, state of rep state representatives there. Um, and she was making sex videos with her husband where she was asking people to donate for them to engage in different sexual acts. And there were <laughs> dozens, my understanding is, of videos of her engaging in this behavior up online. And Democrats came out and they said, well, this is no reason not to vote for uh, she's a victim here. Now, look, if somebody steals uh, a sex tape like happened to Pamela Anderson back in the day, uh, then, yes, you can be a victim, right? Like someone can steal property of yours that's not intended to be distributed to the nation. But when you decide to make a porn video uh, and you engage in all sorts of porno behavior with evidently your husband, like this Virginia representative did, and then same people say, well, there's nothing that she did wrong. And then they come out and say, but Lauren Boebert doesn't deserve to be a congressman anymore. I even saw Howard Stern come out and say that. And, and I just look back on it and think to myself, you know, Howard Stern 25 years ago, what, and he was complaining because, and this is a quote from Howard Stern, she, he said she was wearing a titty dress, right? Um, 25 <laughs> years ago, how yeah, stern yeah. if she was wearing that dress and he found out she was a congresswoman, he would have been like, congresswoman, she should be the governor of Colorado. She should be a senator. She's that. Oh, hot. of course. And, and, and now he's losing his mind because she was, you know, kind of making out a little bit or whatever. Uh, I, I don't even know what the term would be. Heavy petting. I, I'm an old man now. I, I don't know. But like, really, I don't care in the same way that. Uh, you know, you, I think you can tie it in too with Bill Clinton. Um, Democrats defended him getting a blowjob from an intern, um, and, uh, and there you now go. they're up in arms over this. Uh, I mean, I I just think it's it's absolutely insane. And I'm curious what you would say. Like, you claim that you care about women, but if they wear a dress, like you're unhappy with them. Like, I I actually think the worst decision she made was going to see the musical Beetlejuice. That sounds disgusting. I, I, I wouldn't go on a date and see that musical anywhere, I don't think. No, I think that seems like a, a pretty terrible first date. I, I also think that it's funny that she found out, well, she claims after the fact that her date was a huge Democrat who owned a bar or two that had drag shows. And now she's saying that she has learned her lesson and will ask for party affiliation before she goes on any other dates. So... I, I I don't know I don't know uh, if I, if I believe that I, I bet she had all of this information. Time, but this is why I'm never getting divorced, Charlie. I can't imagine being married. I think she was married for like 20 years, and now she has to go back out into the dating pool. Um, but did you know well, they her ex-husband defended cameras? her too? So that was nice of him. <laughs> did you know they had infrared cameras like this and could just pull like find footage of everything you're doing from inside of a theater? I, I had no idea. I had no idea. A lot of people are claiming it was a setup. Uh, you know, there's all the conspiracies now that are floating around. So uh, we'll see if any of those actually pan out and we get more information. But no, I mean, I guess, like you just mentioned, uh, bottom line is you should not go see Beetlejuice off Broadway if you want to this is why keep I, your I, reputation I 
intact. Um, okay, let me ask you another question uh, because you hate musicals, but you're a fan of Italy. You just went with your family. Right. And Clay, I obviously have to ask you, how often do you think about the Roman Empire? I, I think about the, Ro yeah, this is interesting because um, I was out to dinner and uh, a couple of the girls at the table uh, that were with us were like, hey, this Roman Empire thing has gone everywhere. And then I saw Matt Leinart and uh, Mark Ingram, I think it was from Big Noon, talking about it. And I was like, wow, this really is everywhere. And then SAG, our uh, social media head, texted me and he was like, hey, will you talk about the Roman Empire on, uh, on Outkick the Show? And I was like, I, I thought I was getting pranked initially. Um, I, I'm a history nerd. I think about history all the time. Um, and, uh, and so in conjunction with my family's trip to Italy in March, um, I, I think about the Roman empire a lot, uh, partly because I worry that the United States could be, you know, the, I think it was Edward Gibbon wrote the decline and fall of the Roman empire. I worry about what status the United States is in, in terms of the empire that is this country. Uh, but I think men in particular, and I don't know how much women think about the Roman empire, but I think men in particular think about it quite a lot um, because a big part, I think, of, of, of masculinity is thinking about what your legacy is going to be um, in terms of building a family. And I think women care about this, too. Um, but the, the, this idea of legacy and, and what the history of, a, uh, of, of an era is going to be like. Um, as you're seeing all this footage of, of ancient Rome, uh, I love it. Um, and, uh, mm -hmm. and, uh, I, I, I do think it's, uh, it's reflective, you know, I've got three boys. I'd like to think that they're going to go on and have like, you know, 10 or 12 kids among them or whatever I would hope. Um, and so in 40 years, if I'm still alive, I'll be sitting around at Thanksgiving and there'll be a massive family. Um, and, uh, and that we will have created a, a, a Travis family empire. So, uh, I, mm. I think about, I, I think about history a lot and, and what lessons we can draw from it and what the, uh, and, and what the legacy of the lessons, uh, are. Yeah. And I think they had it right. You know, you had the men out there throwing spears and you had the women, uh, taking on activities like basket weaving. Uh, whereas nowadays, they probably would encourage the women to throw the spears and the men to weave the baskets. So uh, I, I something there is definitely lessons to be learned. For, for men who are sports fans, and I think women too, uh, the idea of gladiatorial combat, um, putting everything on the line, uh, not yes. knowing whether you are going to be able to leave uh, that venue, whether that could be your last full measure. I think that strike when I went to the Coliseum, that's all I could think about as I looked out onto the, the, the ruins of that Coliseum. Uh, certainly every football stadium is built in some way that looks like the Roman Coliseum. But the idea of risking your life and having everyone see those final moments of your life um, is, uh, I think, also very uh, evocative for lots of men. I mean, I think they're making a Gladiator 2 now, uh, which I don't know how that how that works out because, spoiler alert, didn't end that well for Maximus. Um, but uh, but but I do uh, I, I, I do find that I'm a Civil War history buff. I'm an American history buff. I, I think about uh, about history and ancient history every day.
Uh, well, you're buff at a lot of things, Clay, and that's why you are the founder of OutKick, and we are so thankful for that. So, And I'm thankful for your time this morning. Thank you so much for being here. Uh, I'm not going to hold the dress-down attire against you like I do John Fetterman. Uh, I'm just happy to have spoken to you, so we'll talk soon. In my defense, I wear T-shirts on all shows, pretty much. So I appreciate that. that. And that's totally fair. See ya. All right, thanks. Outkick the Morning will be right back after a short break. Stay tuned. Okay, well, as expected, Cleveland running back Nick Chubb's knee injury will require season-ending surgery. Chubb's injury happened when Minka Fitzpatrick dove shoulder-first into Chubb's leg, causing his hyperextended knee to buckle and bend a certain way. Obviously, the human body isn't designed to move. Now, it is interesting timing because this happened just as the health of running backs has been an ongoing debate with the NFLPA saying these position players are underpaid and when need be should feign or exaggerate injuries to increase their leverage during contract negotiations to which the NFL just filed a grievance against. So let's get more into it by bringing in outkick writer Armando Salguero. Armando, thank you for being here. Uh, we obviously are going to get into Nick Chubb's injury. Uh, it has struck a chord throughout the NFL, obviously a horrible, horrible loss for the Cleveland Browns. But I'm curious, the timing of this injury, whose side of the argument does it strengthen? Is, is the NFLPA really have more legs to run on, if you will, at this point? Yeah, thanks for having me, Charlie. Um, so it strengthens both and it strengthens neither because both now have ammunition for saying that their side is right. Think about it. Mm -hmm. NFL running backs who have created a text chain, sort of a mini union of their own, because they believe that they are not getting enough guaranteed money, that they're not getting high enough contract salaries. They're coming together and saying, look, on any given down, on any given play, we could be Nick Chubb. We could carry the football on a routine carry and our career 30 seconds later is at risk, as is Nick Chubbs. And that merits more money, that merits uh, a higher salary and greater guarantees. On the other side, an NFL team and NFL clubs can and will say, look, um, why should we pay you more? The, the fact of the matter is that you can be out on any given play. You play perhaps yeah. one of the toughest positions and one of the least reliable positions as far as durability is concerned. And so why should we invest more money in that, especially when we can do as the Cleveland Browns are doing, we can replace the best of the best, which is what Nick Chubb was, and go out even during the season and find somebody else. The Browns are hunts who played alongside Nick Chubb mm -hmm. uh, last year in Cleveland. And so their point is, we're not going to invest more money because the game doesn't protect you. We have to protect ourselves. Yeah, and, and obviously, you know, even though there are many more precautions in the league being taken to protect 
players of all sorts on the field. Uh, fact is, the players are also getting stronger, and the risk of injury, therefore, is going to go up. Uh, now, something very exciting, Armando, that I know you are about to become a major part of. There's going to be a brand new podcast dropping on the Outkick Network. We are bringing in another team member. So I'm going to let you reveal the details. Yeah. Uh, so Donovan McNabb has joined Outkick. We taped our first podcast yesterday. And, uh, you know, everybody said it was good. Uh, <laughs> what can I tell you? Well, that's There's good, no right? <laughs> People don't know. Uh, so they let me be on the podcast and bring my 35 years of experience in covering the NFL to the show. And Donovan McNabb brings his, you know, Pro Bowl career yesterday, by the way, on the same day that the podcast dropped. Donovan McNabb was one of 173 players who were uh, Pro Football Hall of Fame first uh, ballot candidates for the Hall of Fame 2024. Obviously, the the process will whittle down, and I'm not, you know, sure that Donovan McNabb will make it or not. But as I told him, I am a selector. He's got at least one vote. There you go. Uh, well, I can't name a better duo to host this podcast. New episodes dropping every Tuesday and Friday on the Outkick Network. All you got to do is go to outkick.com and click the shows tab. So Armando, thank you for being here. Uh, I hope to see more of you and I cannot wait to listen to the first episode of the new podcast. Appreciate you, Charlie. See ya. <sighs> okay, guys, I do not know about you, but the gym is my happy place. It's my escape from everything that is wrong in this world and where I can black out all the BS pushed by a society that honestly continues to get sicker by the day. But now, turns out, I actually can't get away because now there are lunatics trying to make weights woke. You heard that correctly. And this is something I cannot wake up. Alyssa Royce, the owner of Rocket Community Fitness, a CrossFit gym in, you guessed it, Seattle, is now urging CrossFit box owners to stop designating barbells as men in women's bars. 45 pounds equals a men's bar and 35 pounds a woman's bar. But apparently, according to this woke activist, she says this is silly because barbells don't have genders. They have weights. One of her main arguments to stress the danger of gendering barbells is that you are implying that if a man can not handle the heavier barbell, that he is less of a man, and that is a bad thing, she says. Uh, well, newsflash, Alyssa, this is a bad thing. I am 5'2", 102 pounds, and even I can handle the men's bar. Stop trying to feminize the men at your gym. It's like she is hoping their testosterone just plummets the second they step inside and can't handle the extra 10 pounds. Oh, but it gets even worse. The owner also says that by having men in women's bars, you are excluding non-binary folks. This has gotten so out of control. Weights do not need to be woke. And if you are offended by a bar being labeled according to the gender that they are typically used for, then please do me and everybody else a favor. Just stay home. Your mind is already unhealthy, so your body might as well be too. Okay, so you aren't safe in the gym, as it seems now, and you sure as hell aren't safe in the classroom. 
This story is wild. A middle school teacher on Long Island has been suspended after giving her fifth grade health class a ridiculously inappropriate assignment. The students were given 10 options and then asked to select who they would allow into a fallout shelter in the event of a nuclear attack. So these were the choices that these fifth graders were given. One, a 16-year-old pregnant girl. Two, a police officer with multiple charges of brutally pending against him. He also has his gun. Three, a 38-year-old retired prostitute. Four, a 75-year-old priest. Five, a 35-year-old sterile female doctor. Number six and number seven, a husband and wife. They refuse to be separated. He is a lawyer. She is an alcoholic. Eight, a 31-year-old homosexual architect. Nine, a 50-year-old musician previously addicted to cocaine. Ten, a 28-year-old drifter with no apparent skills. Uh, let's just take a second to soak all of this in. What the hell are these options? And just to be clear, and I think it's evident to everyone out there watching, there is no right answer here. It's clearly designed to test these children's value systems and how well they know the progressive stack that has been indoctrinated into them by their twisted teachers, such as the one who handed out this assignment in the first place. I feel absolutely horrible for kids these days. They are being brainwashed and they're not even realizing it. I mean, they probably just thought this was a simple homework assignment, thinking nothing else. And imagine them going out to recess and comparing their answers with other kids and then making, make, being made to feel like crap by the most progressive of their peers. The school says it condemns this type of material, but instead of having to backtrack and suspend teachers who have no place in your classrooms, you know what? Just start doing your homework and make it clear upon hiring, woke ideology, especially disgusting garbage like this, is not welcome in your school anytime or anywhere. Okay, guys, uh, there's so much to take in today. Uh, I hope that you can find some glimmers of hope uh, as you go on and embark upon your day. I am so thankful that you were here to share this past 35 minutes with me and please do me a favor, hit that subscribe button because just like you heard today, you all you already know there's gonna be so many more crazy stories we're gonna get into tomorrow as well as Friday and so on and so forth. So hit the subscribe button, drop a like, leave me a comment and you know where to find me. I am always available at Charlie on TV across all social platforms. I always love to hear from you whether it's something you liked about today's show, or maybe you have an idea for a future episode. Guys, that's going to do it for this edition of Outkick the Morning. Have a wonderful day, and of course, we will see all of you tomorrow. Looking for the hottest sportsbook offers? At Outkick, find exclusive promotions, expert picks, and the latest odds. Get in the game at outkick.com slash bet.